0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, ala Rasulil Alhamdulillah Today is the 16th of April in the year 2023 And Alhamdulillah we moved on to the 25th blessed day of the holy month of Ramadan And I've reached verse 35 of Surah Al-Ma'idah So, to spend the session on this blessed verse. So, to mention the translation, All you who believe, do your duty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Seek a wasila unto him, and strive with might and main in his cause, that you may be successful. So, like I mentioned yesterday, some of the salaf mentioned that the wasila are your good deeds I to get the help of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so also in Ruh al-Ma'ani Abdullah ibn Abbas he commented upon this verse when he said al wasila signifies al-haja i.e. the need in which case the meaning now is you must seek what you need by appealing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for in his hand are the keys of the heavens and the earth. You must not seek it by appealing to anyone other than him. So simply put, what the great Abdullah ibn Abbas was saying, was that the Quran is telling you, seek a wasila. So Allah is asking, fulfill your needs by coming to me. Your needs, your haja, turn to me and turn to nobody other than me to fulfill your needs. And also, if you look at Surah fatiha the fifth verse. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which we at least say 17 times a day. The verse reads, you alone we worship, and from you alone we seek help. So now, what's interesting about this? If you look at the construction of the verse, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He's mentioning here that you worship, and then you seek. So Imam Nasafi in his Madarik Al-Tanzil, one blush, one oh, he mentions, here worship is mentioned before seeking help because putting forward the wasila, the means before asking for a need is more likely to be answered. Subhanallah. So what was Imam Nasafi saying in his famous commentary Madarik Al-Tanzil? Because Allah Ta'ala is saying, ka na'bud, You alone we worship. Then he says, Wa ka And from you alone we seek help. So why does Allah Ta'ala mention worship first? Because before you ask for help, the appropriate way is to worship. <laughs> right? So you do a deed, then you ask Allah Ta'ala for his help. And that's in Fatiha. You know, we, we, we're needing the surah. we don't even realize sometimes what we're needing. So, Allah is making sure that you understand this. And this is what the Wasila means, which Ibn Abbas was referring to. Now, what's interesting about this passage? There's a report. And the hadith is recorded in Abu Na'im and His Delayl, page 164, Hayat al Sahaba, volume 5, page 429. Abu Talha, Allah, he relates We were with Rasulullah in a battle. And when we engage the enemy, I heard him say, Ya malik Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka na'sta'in. O the master of the day of judgment, you alone we worship, and from you alone we seek help. Subhanallah. I then saw many men, I from the polytheists, fall. As the angels struck at them from the front and from the back. So look how beautiful. According to some of the ulama, this was the Battle of Badr because the angels were helping in striking the unbelievers. So, what did the Prophet utter before he engaged? He recited the verses of Fatiha. So, what was he doing before asking for help? He was in active worship. He was doing jihad. So he was using the as a wasila You alone we worship. Meaning this is worship. We're fighting for your cause. Now we seek your help. And what did Abu Talha say? Subhanallah, I saw men falling as the angels struck at them from the front and the back. <laughs> Meaning, you know, so now did he see the angels? So obviously the companions have a very high maqam. But just to explain further this phenomenon, in Behaki, Al-Bidayah, volume 3, page 281, Imam Hakim, volume 3, page 49, states Sahih, Zahabi, Sahih. Abu Umama, he read, it. My father, sahl who once said to me, Oh my son, during the battle of Badr, I saw that when any of us merely pointed our weapon in the direction of the polytheist's head, the head would be severed from the body, even before our swords could reach them. So think about that. This is bad, so because we just pointed the sword, and he goes head came off. So what was the help? Because the prophet was making the dua, and Allah was sending his help. So all of this is explaining this passage. Seeker was sealed to him. So Ibn Abbas goes, meaning, engage in worship to get the help of Allah Subhanahu And also, there's another report. And this narration is in Ibn Majah, and Imam Hakim graded it Sahih. To summarize the report, Mu'adi bin Jabal, who was sent to Yemen by the Prophet وسلم, the Prophet actually told him وسلم, that when you come back, you may only see my grave. And he wept. So when he did return, indeed the Prophet had passed away, وسلم, and he was weeping at the grave of the Prophet. So Umar saw <laughs> him. He goes, Mu'ad, why are you weeping? So Mu'ad, look what he said, something very interesting. I heard some things from Rasulullah. He said, the smallest riya is shirk. The smallest pollution of your deed is associating partners with Allah. Being hostile to one of the friends of Allah. Amounts to declaring war on him. Then look what he said from the Prophet. Inna Allaha Yahibul Abarara Al adqiya, Al-Aqfiyah. Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the abrar, the virtuous, the adqiya, the God fearing, the akfiyah, the the hidden. Those who are not missed when gone and who are not noticed when present. Then the Prophet said, قُلُوبُهُمْ مَصَابِحُ huda." Their hearts are lanterns of guidance and they live in poor places sheltered from the looks. So looking at this hadith, the Prophet was describing the awliya and what did he say? He said, there are Pious, they are God-fearing, and they they don't people don't know where they are. They're obscure. When they are missed, nobody knows they're missed. And when they are present, you don't even know they're present. But then this is the key point for for the discussion. How did the Prophet mention their hearts? Their hearts are lanterns of guidance. This part. So, how can somebody's heart be a source of guidance? So, here, Shaykh Amir Abdul Qadir in his Mawaqif, number 197, he clarified These lanterns are the means of approach to the guidance mentioned in the Quran. And he recited this verse These hearts of the Oliya are the means of wasila to guidance, where Allah, Allah is telling you. Seek a means, seek a wasila to me. Those the Sheikh said, it is by visiting such people, number one, through their example, number two, and number three, their teachings, that the aspirant will be able to find the path leading him from his inner darkness towards the divine light. So what was the Sheikh simply saying? Sheikh Amir Abdul Qadir, in his work Mawaqif, number 197 he was saying the awliya's very presence is a means of guidance because their hearts, the Prophet described them as hearts of guidance the lanterns of noor of guidance they don't have to say anything they don't have to say a word but they will cause guidance by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so what's been highlighted one of the greatest wasilas to get your needs fulfilled is to keep the company of the righteous. So let's mention a few things. And this is again strange when people say, what's the, what's the blessings of good company? Don't mention good company. Just talk to them like this. Brother, are you committing sins? And he goes, yes, astaghfirullah, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinful person. Do you find it difficult to do good deeds? And he goes, brother, yeah, you know, my iman's weak. <laughs> so you say to him, I've got a very easy formula to sort that out. So the person goes, please give it me. I need it, brother. What is it? Because will keep the company of the righteous. Then he'll give you that glazed look. Because what's that going to do? Is when you're in their company, what becomes easy? Good. You don't want to do good. But because they're doing it, okay, I'll join in, right? You know, they they just like the good becomes easy, and what becomes difficult, sins. So, what you want to do something that you normally used to can't do it? Why? Sheikh's here. What are you talking about? If there was no other blessing of the righteous than that, what else do you need? Somebody goes, look, brother, I need good deeds to become easy. I need evil to become difficult. Keep good company. (laughs) That's number one. That's the wasila the shaykh was referring to. Number two, in Sayyid Bukhari, (coughs) what did our beloved messenger say? He goes, the owner of camels or the one who looks like the shepherd of camels, the owner, he grows arrogant. And the owner of goats or sheep Becomes humble. This is part of the Hadith. Question. Can a camel talk to you? If you can, go and see a psychiatrist. (laughs) Why has a creation which I can't even understand? Neither can I speak or he speaks to me. Why is it affecting my character? Why is it making me arrogant? The Prophet told you the answer. (laughs) Sheep and goats. How is that making me humble? So one of the sheikhs of the hadith, in fact, many of the sheikhs of the hadith, they coming. if the company of animals affects you, what about human beings? When people say, this is what shaitan whispers, no, 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 no I'm alright, I'm alright. How are you alright? You're surrounded by shaitans? No, 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 I know the line not to cross. That's shaitan telling you that. Are camels affecting you? Making you arrogant? What's that shaitan gonna do to you? you probably lose your iman. And the same with, you know, good people. You know, think about that. Number three. In Sahih Muslim, the Prophet was travelling, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and all of a sudden, there was a stubborn camel. So one of the companions cursed the camel. He's God damn it, I would say today, God damn it. So the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa said, Stopped. And he said, Get off the camel. And then he said, I will not allow a cursed animal to accompany me. Question. If somebody's got a mortgage and he's accompanying you, is he cursed? Yes. Lannat. Somebody's dealing in interest. You're mixing shoulders with him. The Prophet didn't want a camel to be accompanying him. The sahaba didn't even touch that camel. The, the the hadith says that he used to wander about in the lanes of Al and nobody touched it. They were so scared of it. If you disobey your parents, you're cursed. You're rubbing shoulders from somebody like that. What's gonna happen to you? So all of these are famous hadiths but unfortunately people aren't extracting the lessons from these reports. In Ibn Hiban, the great Hafiz Ibn Hiban, he wrote a work and in one of his works he said, It is better to break rocks with the righteous than to eat dessert with the wicked. It is better to break rocks with the righteous than to eat dessert with the wicked. Now what do you mean by that? So if I told you, come on, let's spend the whole day doing manual hard labor, why on earth would you want to do that? Because you're feeling alright. Well, but then I say to you, but you're breaking those rocks with the righteous person. So Ibn Hiban <laughs> said, go. He goes, don't worry about the physical. Because something's gonna happen to you. Then I said to you, chocolate cake, chocolate pudding, this, that, flana, tinkler, come on, let's all go. But you're gonna have to eat with this, you know, a really sinful person. Would that stop you? Ibn Hiban <laughs> goes, don't do it. So what were they telling you? These righteous souls, they're saying it's affecting you. Famous hadith in Sayyid Bukhari. The one who sells Atar. Even if you don't buy it, what did the Prophet say? The effects of it, you know the smell will be apparent upon you. And if you walk past a person who's a blacksmith, you will smell. That's the effects of bad and good and bad company. People other people detect it. So if other people detect it, what's it done to you? If people even say it, you know, you spend a night with the shaitan. Because you're right, also, you don't look the same. <laughs> I was, because they can detect something, that's what the Prophet's referring to. So, what's happened to you? The impact. And also, look how interesting Isa. What does Allah mention about him in Surah Madhyam? Surah 19, verse 31. In Surah 19, verse 31, he says something very interesting. <laughs> And it sounds like he's boasting, he says والسلام, And he has blessed me wherever I be. What does Mubarak mean? You'll find out on Eid, right? <laughs> right? Eid Mubarak, right? What does it mean? He goes, may you have a blessed Eid, that's what it means, Mubarak. <laughs> Isa alayhi salatu referred to himself as Mubarak. <laughs> He has blessed me wherever I be. So, what was he referring to there? So, Hafiz ibn Kayyim al in his Al Wabil al Sayyid, page 94, he said, and he quotes a hadith, I'll, I'll summarize it. The Prophet said that there's angels, and all they do is they look for gatherings of remembrance. And look what it says in that hadith one of the angels says oh my lord amongst them there was someone who is not really of them he was in need of something meaning he didn't go for the zikr he was after there was some you know reason somebody could help him Ah, that's why he went allah the almighty and glorious what does he say Whoever sits in the gathering of these people shall not be left unblessed. Meaning, his pollution is not correct. You know, everything about it was wrong. But because he's in the company of those whom i blessed, he can't go without being blessed. is ibn Kayyim, what did he then say? This is because of their benediction which comes to anybody who sits with them. Then Ibn Kayyim recited this, aina ma He has made me blessed wherever I be. Because that's the meaning. Meaning, if anybody comes to me, come to me all those who are heavy, heavily burdened, then you will find rest. That's the Bible. Jesus Christ said that. Do we believe that? Yes. Because the Quran is testified to that. All of you who are heavily burdened, come to me, you will find rest. Why did he say, come to me? Why not I will just get my teachings? Because when you go to the, the, the hearts, the lanterns of guidance, it affects you. Right? The company people and now what they found, scientifically, which is even more fascinating. <laughs> I don't know how they work this out. Because everybody has a 12, I think it's, they said feet, 12 feet, affection zone. You affect people. Everybody's got a like, kind of a, a field around them. So if you're 12 feet away from a person, that person affects you without even speaking. How? What's that? Now think about it, if you've got positive people, good people in that radius, they're affecting you. They don't have to say anything. And you don't have to be close to them, just 12 feet, snooker table away. Just be that close to them. Right? It'll affect you. Science is telling you that. They say positive and negative, because be around positive people. But their positive might mean something else. But we mean by that pious, pious people. So note all of this is helping to explain what? This passage. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? All you who believe, do your duty to Allah, seek the wasila to him through your deeds, through keeping the company of the righteous. And I'll just add this. I don't want to spend much time on this because lengthy discussion. I mentioned it off record, but I'll mention it now. All the scholars on the surface of the earth, they said these avenues are lawful avenues of basila through your good deeds. And they caught the famous Hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, where there was a storm, so three men took shelter in a cave, and as they, they took shelter, there was a kind of a avalanche and a huge boulder, entrap them in the cave and what did the three men say in the cave? they said think of a good deed that you've done and ask Allah to help you through that so what were they doing? they were seeking wasila through their deeds one of them mentioned something about his parents <coughs> another one mentioned something about a business transaction another person mentioned uh, keeping away from you know, haram Allah tala removed the rock they were seeking were sealed through their deeds So through your deeds But now this is important When you ask Allah's help You have to choose To the best of your ability The purest deed that you've done You don't know what the purest deed is Granted that's true But you've got an inkling So you say Ya Allah I think I did this purely for your sake Please if I did that And it pleased you Fulfill this need of mine How many people actually make dua through that? They go direct. This is a means Allah Allah has given. The second is through the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You ask through his blessed name. Allah Allah mentions that in the Quran. Call upon me by my names. Asma'ul husna. But you need to have knowledge. Because why? <laughs> if you're asking, let's say you, you want to uh, be blessed with a son. And you're saying, Ya did tol. Right? Is that an appropriate attribute to use? <laughs> Zed means the one with a long reach, meaning you get, you, that's for punishment. You don't use that name for to ask Allah to give you a son. You gotta look for the appropriate name. Allah, Allah likes that. You say, Ya Al-Wahab, or the generous bestower, mm. please bless me with the son. Mm. So all the scholars agree to this. The third that all the scholars agree to is asking a living righteous person mm. For instance, Umar when there was no rain in the Sahih, he grabbed hold of Abbas, the Prophet's uncle. He goes, Oh, our Lord, we used to ask your beloved messenger to ask on our behalf. But now we ask you through his uncle. Please send us the rain. So to ask a righteous person, fine, all the scholars agree. So for instance, there's a hadith. The hadith is in Tirmidhi. And Umar was going to perform Umrah. So the Prophet heard about this, and he said, Oh Umar, please don't forget to pray for your brother. So Umar said, Rasulullah said such a word that is more beloved to me than everything upon which the sun shines. Meaning he called me his brother. Right? So the Prophet was himself humbling himself, asking a righteous person to make a dua. And this proves that you don't have to be an inferior. The righteous should also ask other people to make du'a for them like the Prophet was teaching. So this is all agreed upon. The only one they differ over is to ask the dead, the righteous dead. There's a split on this. Some of the ulama said it's fine. You ask them to ask to make a du'a on your behalf or they say no, you don't. So without going too much into it, you got all these lawful avenues which nobody's disagreed over. People are obsessed about the ones that there's laugh over. <laughs> right? So, the dead, just to mention one proof. This blind man came to the Prophet, he goes, Ya Rasulullah, please make dua that Allah gives me my sight. <laughs> the Prophet said, It would be better if you're patient. So the blind man goes, Please make dua that Allah give me my sight. So the Prophet said, Go and perform wudu, offer the two rakats prayer, and then make this dua and in that dua the Prophet instructed him to say O Muhammad I turn to you as a means I to fulfill my need (laughs) Ya Muhammad so when it comes to the Prophet there is no problem there is a direct hadith recorded in Timbadi but you make that dua and you go through all the things which the Prophet told you to do what about the other righteous dead? the scholars who say it's permissible they say that, let's turn to the Sahab, for example. So there's no doubt that these are people of paradise. Abu Bakr Shiddiq, Umar ibn al-Khattab So, if a person says to you, now that they are in the Barzakh, do they still have the same status with Allah So obviously. So then you say, right. So what then is the harm in asking them to make du'a for me? So what's the logic? The logic is if you get a saintly soul, he's a saint. Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani for instance. When he died, is he no longer a saint? So everybody goes, of course he's still a saint. So then why why can we not now ask him to make a du'a for us? So the others respond by saying, you cannot make the dead hear you. The Quran says that. And the response to that is, no, you've misquoted. Allah Talab mentions to the beloved, you sallam, cannot make the dead hear you without my permission. That's the meaning. Meaning the dead can hear, but it's with my authority. So again, there's a lengthy discussion about this, but this verse is also used by all parties. Seek the wasila. So now think about it, As a command. So at least once in your life you should make a dua through a deed because you fulfill the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At least once through your life go through the holy name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At least it's shameful to even say that. At least once in your life ask a righteous person. Of course Allah knows best who the righteous is and if you believe through the righteous death ask them as well. No problem. So note this verse. So we ask Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he makes the Quran, the Rabi of our hearts. And I pray to Almighty Allah that he forgives me for any else which I may have inadvertently put. Amen. So I'll decide the verse and we will come to it. Khadu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajeeem Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Raheem Ya Ayyuhal-lazina Amanu Attaquu wa abtahu ilayhi al-wasilah Wajahidu fee sabiilihi la'allakum <laughs> tuflihun. We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. that he to of the world, right? <speaking with Hebrew>